This is a study of Romans chapter 14 and, and into chapter 15 called Pursuing Peace. Last time we looked at Romans chapter 14 verses 7 to 9 and we discovered how the Apostle Paul reminded the Romans that the Christian life was not about them and their personal preferences alone. The true Christian, according to Paul, did not live for himself or herself, but belonged to the Lord Jesus, and he was their Lord and their master. And as such, they were to live to please him. And when they died, the true Christian, when he or she dies, they go to be with the Lord, and, and that does not change. They continue to live for the Lord and delight in him throughout all eternity. He needs to be the focus of our lives. His example must be the example that we follow. And as Jesus lived his life on this earth, he demonstrated what it meant to live the Christian life. He received sinners. He worked with sinners. He washed the feet of sinners. He laid down his life for sinners. And he calls us to live as he lives. He calls us to reach out in his name to our brothers and sisters in the faith. He calls us to accept them as he accepted them. Now the fact is that not one of us is perfect. And not one of us has reached our full maturity. We are all in the process of growing in maturity in Christ. And as we support and encourage each other in the faith, we draw nearer to our Lord. Spiritual growth takes place within community. We sharpen and refine each other as we live in community with each other. And this is the context for verses 10 to 12 of Romans chapter 14 that we want to look at today. Let me just read this before we take a moment to break it down and examine what it has to tell us about the judgment seat of God. Romans chapter 14 verse 10 says this, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. Paul begins in verse 10 of Romans chapter 14 by asking two questions. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? Now these two questions go back to what he said in verse 3. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 3, he says this, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. The tendency, according to Romans 14 and verse 3, was for the person who ate everything to look down or to despise the one who abstained and followed the law of Moses. On the other hand, the tendencies of those who practiced the law of Moses was to judge those who did not measure up to its standard. 
So Paul, as he speaks here, is speaking to both sides of this debate. Why do you pass judgment speaking to those who followed the law? Or why do you despise your brother speaking to those who abstained from practicing the law? Paul speaks to both of these sides of the camp. And he goes on in in Romans chapter 14 and verse 10 to tell them that despite the differences that they had, they had one thing in common. For, he says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. The one who despised his brother or sister for their refusal to eat all foods, would be judged by God. The one who judged his brother and sister because they did not follow the traditions of Moses would also stand before God to give an account of his or her attitude. Now notice the phrase, the judgment seat of God. Paul tells us that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. The phrase judgment seat of God is an important one because of what it tells us. The judgment seat belongs to God, and he alone has the authority to sit in this seat. He alone can determine the attitude of the heart and mind. He alone has the right to pass the final sentence. Not one of us is worthy to sit in that seat. And so Paul asks a question here. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? In other words, he says to the Romans, why are you sitting in the judgment seat of God? Will you take his place and pronounce judgment? Do you have the wisdom and the authority to take his seat of judgment? By boldly sitting in his seat of judgment, will you not seal your own fate? As Jesus said to those who were seeking to stone the woman who was caught in adultery, he said to them, He who is without sin may cast the first stone. He who is without sin may judge her and make that final judgment about her and her life. But no one in that crowd that day was found worthy to pick up a stone and cast it. Every one of them fell short of the standard of God. And so none of them could judge her. Will we pick up the first stone and cast it at our brother, even though we ourselves are unworthy? Will we boldly take the place, our place, on the judgment seat of Christ to, to judge in his place? The challenge of Paul here to these Romans was this. Not one of us is worthy to take our place on the judgment seat of God. God alone will make that final judgment. He alone is worthy to take his place on that seat. No one else has the right, the wisdom, or the authority to sit 
in his place and take on that matter of judging the earth. Now, Paul goes on in verse 11 to quote a passage from Isaiah 45 when he says this, For it is written, he said, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. In this passage, as quoted from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah prophesies that a day would come when every knee would one day bow and confess to God. The day was coming when God would take his place on the judgment seat and all humanity would come and stand before him. But notice what Isaiah says, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Notice the connection between bowing and confessing. The one who judges is beyond reproach. He is worthy, and all creation bows before him and recognizes his worth. He alone is the judge the perfect judge, worthy of our worship and our praise. Now, writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul has, has this to say, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But with me, he says, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Paul considered, according to this, the judgment of any other human being to be a very small thing. Notice here that he says he does not even judge himself. He didn't know of anything that was wrong in his life. He wasn't aware of any particular sin in his life. But God could prove him wrong. And he challenges us, each the, the Corinthians here, not to pronounce judgment before the time. The time was coming, according to Isaiah, when every knee would bow and confess before God. And on that day, God would bring to light the things that were hidden into our human eyes, and, and he would disclose the purposes of the heart, while Paul viewed being judged by humans to be a very small thing. This was not the case with the judgment of God as he stood before that judgment seat of God. God knew the intentions of his heart. God's judgment was accurate. God's judgment was fair. God's judgment was final. And Paul would submit to that judgment. Paul reminds us in in the final verse here, verse 12, that each of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. We will give an account of ourselves to God. We can live our lives to please other people, but what they think about us in the end does not really matter. 
We can conform to every human standard and live our lives without being an offense to anyone, but people will not have the final say. As we stand before God, the only thing that matters is what He says. Now, it's important that we understand here in the context of Romans chapter 14 that Paul is speaking about the body of Christ and the diversity within the body of Christ. In other words, it is in this context that we speak about the judgment seat of God. And as we do, we need to see this judgment seat of God in the context of Romans chapter 14, which is the fact that God has put us within a body. And as the body of Christ, we care for each other and we help each other as we prepare to stand before God. While our role in the body is not to be the judge, we nonetheless have an obligation to each other. Maturity takes place in the context of a body. We warn each other of danger and the pathway of life. We stand with each other in the trials and the suffering of life. God has placed within this body people with various spiritual gifts. Our teachers encourage us to know the will of God through the study of his word. Our pastors guide us through the valleys and help us to find God in the times when we can no longer see him. Our, our helpers and encouragers stand with us in practical support and, 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 and comfort. Our evangelists point us to the salvation that is in our Lord. Our prophets show us that what God is doing and direct us into his purpose. While we leave the judgment to God, we get on with the business of supporting each other and preparing each other to face that judgment seat of God and to stand before God unashamed. Now let's put all of this together in the context of Romans chapter 14. Paul reminds us that there is a judgment coming and each of us will stand before a holy God to give an account of our lives. That is a sobering thought. God has not appointed us to be judged on that final day. In fact, we would make poor judges as we ourselves have often fallen short. God alone is worthy to sit in that judgment seat, but he has called us to stand with each other in this life. He has given us gifts in the body of Christ for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of his kingdom. He has placed within the body each of us so that we can stimulate each other to spiritual maturity. God will judge one day, but he has called us to challenge each other to good works, to bear one another's burdens, to exhort each other uh, to grow in maturity, to pray with each other and for each other, to encourage each other, to warn each other. We do not live for ourselves, but for the Lord alone. And part of living for the Lord is caring for his people and preparing them to stand before him on that final day. This is why he has given us our spiritual gifts and ministries. We must leave 
all judgment to God, but he calls us to encourage each other so that we can become the best servants we can possibly be and to stand before him unashamed on that final day. The last thing the church of Jesus Christ needs today are people who stand on the sidelines criticizing every move we make without lifting a finger to help. Listen to the words of the Apostle James in James chapter 2 and verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is it? James is telling us that if we all we do is wish someone well with our words, what good is that? And what is true for physical needs is also true for spiritual needs. If all we do is stand on the sidelines and and judge, what good is that? Let's leave all criticism and judgment to God and determine in our hearts that instead of taking on God's role as judge, we will reach out and support and encourage meant to our brothers and sisters. We will warn them of the dangers without judging. We will challenge them to strive for better things without condemning because we realize that we too have fallen short and will need them to encourage us or to warn us when we come to our short, when it comes to our shortcomings as well. May God give us the grace not to take his place as judge, but to stand faithfully with each other, encouraging and stimulating one another to growth so that as that day approaches where we must stand and confess to God, we will be prepared because together we fine-tune and mature one another for the purpose of standing before God and honoring him on that final day.